Welcome to the Design Nerds Anonymous mini-series, all about Gen Z. Over the next month, we'll be sharing four episodes exploring how the up-and-coming generation is experiencing their entree into the working world and how we can expect them to make waves throughout the workplace. Let's start with a quote from the 2023 Design Hackathon keynote, Ryan Jenkins. One of the best ways to get unstuck and to spot some of these blind spots that every industry and every organization has is leaning into the emerging generations because they have fresh eyes, they have fresh perspective. We look at a lot of great data, and in much of that data, we see clear trend lines by age. The focus of Think Lab's exploration, not to stereotype, quote unquote, what the next generation wants, but instead, inspired by Ryan Jenkins' recent book, Connectable. We want to focus on the next generation as prototypes with clues and fresh perspective as to how we connect across all generations. ThinkLab had the privilege of hosting a design confessional at the 2022 Interior Design 30 Under 30 networking events. These are events that recognize top design talent under the age of 30 in select cities. As we kick off our 2023 hackathon, focused on connecting with the next generation of designers, we'll be putting the anonymous in Design Nerds by sharing the aggregated insights. And we think the best way to do this is by passing the mic. My name is Luis. My name is Chuck. This is Chloe. I work at SOM as an interior designer. Ethics collaborative. I graduated college in 2018 and I started in July of 2019. So I guess I'm more used to the post-pandemic and during-pandemic world. Now in this episode, we're going to take you through a range of emotions, beginning with a heartwarming refresher on what attracted this young talent to the design industry in the first place. And then we'll take a humorous start to what they find to be our industry's most puzzling accepted norm. And finally, we'll take a serious look at where they see the biggest opportunity for improvement that will benefit all generations. So let's dive in. One thing I love about this industry is the community. I really feel like we all get along and kind of have common interests and find a way to really connect with each other and be each other's support system and cheerleaders and inspiration when we need it. I just really feel like we are very open as creatives in this community and there's no fear of being uniquely you. I mean, definitely the part I love is the human touch. I really just love, honestly, the people and the creativity is really what kind of drives me every day. Just being able to be in an industry that's so interactive and like group oriented is so much better. It makes being behind a computer so much better. It's not just sitting there all day by yourself as an individual, but you're a part of something more and something that will make it in the world and to other people. I love fabric samples. <laughs> I don't know, there's just something really fun about putting it all together. And they are like my favorite part of a palette. Ooh, okay, love. I think endless possibilities in terms of designing. There's obviously when it comes to an actual physical space, you're gonna have to rein it in, but 
from the beginning, when design is just a concept, you can think of anything and everything. There's nothing stopping you. And it's really interesting in terms of how that translates into physical space. So I do love that there is, to an extent, no limits in terms of free thinking. In the worst case, the client says no. And you say, okay, there's no problem with that. And you dial back down. I definitely love having the freedom to design. I think the reason why I got into this industry was because I'm able to get my design in the realistic world and have people occupy and using it. I think that's a really big achievement for me. I find a lot of comfort from that. I feel like I'm always inspired in design. I'm always observing my surroundings. Sometimes it annoys friends or family members because <laughs> we'll walk into a restaurant and I don't engage in conversation for the first 10 minutes because I'm just looking around at everything, the lights, the floor, the furniture, touching the walls. Like I can't help myself. I think it's something that I've always been interested in and now I get to actually apply it and do it. And the difference of interning when you're younger and working on things that you don't ever get to see come to life. And now being a few years into the industry, getting to actually work on these projects start to finish and then go into the space and meet with the clients who are using it in the end is really satisfying. I would add, I think it's such a passion industry. There are just so many people that are so passionate about what they do and design has such an impact on everybody's way of being. And I think it's so fulfilling being able to see built spaces and environments that impact like mental and physical health and well-being. I've always wanted to go into design. I fought my parents on it a lot as a kid. They're like, you're not going to make money. And I was like, I don't care. I'll make it work as long as I'm happy. It'll be worth it. And I don't know, I'm doing it and I still love what I do. So I think it's so fulfilling and just really cool to meet the people in the industry that are equally as passionate. <laughs> what I love about the industry is at least at my firm, the diversity. I may not have experience in something. There's a lot of people in our industry and at my company specifically that push that and encourage that, which is amazing because I want to continue to learn just like everybody else and everybody else wants everybody else to learn because that's how we get better. One thing that I love is that every day is so different because every client is different. So I feel like you always have new creative juices flowing, which is really nice. I feel like I'm playing dress up like a little kid. I'm doing what I love and doing really cool things. I'm not sitting in Excel all day, plugging in formulas, doing things far crueler than that. I love obviously the creativity. I wake up and go to work every single day because I want to be a designer. Everything else is just the extra. So if your heart has swelled three sizes in the past five minutes, you're not alone. We can all use a fresh perspective, or perhaps even a reminder of likely some of the same reasons many of us got into this industry. And before we dive into chapter two, our most puzzling accepted norm per this next generation, I want to pause us for a moment for a quick message from our 2023 hackathon sponsor, Allsteel. Hi, I'm Natalie Johansson-Murray, Director of Brand and Marketing with Allsteel. At Allsteel, we are passionate about transforming workplaces for the better by concentrating what we design on real people and their challenges in a collaborative and human-centric way. 
bigger than one brand, Allsteel is focused on building tomorrow's workplaces today. Together with our dealers across the country, we solve the most complex challenges with applied insights and collaboration-forward design methods for a curated, people-first experience. Allsteel is designed to do more. Start exploring and learning more at allsteeloffice.com. Now let's get back to our Gen Zers. We're going to start with humor and then quickly dive into some serious territory as we look with fresh eyes or perhaps hear in fresh earbuds what this generation perceives to be the industry's most puzzling accepted norm. So without further ado, let's begin chapter two. I feel like this this really funny thought that's coming to my mind is that we always wear black and white. <laughs> There's no escape from that. I feel like we all wear black and white when we were in architectural school, and then when I go into this profession industry or my firm, everyone I can like instantly spot an architect if you're wearing black and white. That has like a typical uniform. That's one funny thing that I notice. I think the after hours work is the most puzzling norm, and it's funny because I have so many industry friends that like you don't even realize that it's not normal. Until you have friends who are outside of the design industry and they're like, oh, I'm done at 4.30. I'm going to go to a workout class. And I'm like, how are you? What do you mean you're done? How are you just done? Like, our jobs never stop. I feel like there's never enough hours in the day to get done not only production, but also like client meetings and all those different things. So then you can just make up for what you didn't get done at night. And I think that's a passion problem, right? A lot of us are very passionate about what we do. We're not just, oh, it's the end of the day, we're going to log out. No, if this doesn't get done, it's not going to get done the way I need it to be done. I don't know how you solve for that. But I think that's one of the most common norms, like working late. Everyone does it. I always see everyone online. So you feel pressure to be online as well. One thing I hate, I don't hate, I kind of just accept it because you know I'm in this architectural industry is the long hours and the constant burnout. I always say realistically that when I have kids and I'm not there yet, it's 30 <laughs> under 30, but, <laughs> but I don't see how the hours we pull right now would even be possible. We were both working till 11.30 p.m. on Monday because internal deadline and you could get this done tomorrow, but then you're just pushing everything else back Mm -hmm. and you're eventually going to have to get the work done. So I don't know. Sometimes I look at the workload and the hours that we pull and I think we'll always be passionate about Mm -hmm. it. Lucky that we have the time and enough energy you have the stamina it's not always gonna yeah. be there and i know mm-hmm. as you get older your priorities in life might shift and if the industry isn't catering to it people are gonna choose family and their home life not always but i mm-hmm. think that's something that as you get older definitely gets in the way more and you see a lot of people who mm-hmm. used to be designers that now just do some side projects because that's all they have time for and I'd love to be able to stay as involved as Mm -hmm. I am now for as long as I can but the hours can just be really taxing. This might be controversial is in a lot of firms you'll notice a lot of firms are architecture and design. I feel like the majority of employees on the architecture side usually have families, they have children, they might have slightly different expectations And so depending on your age and where you're at in your career, you're expected to do a lot more. And there's really not 
a decent excuse as to the ask and the rationale. It's usually, well, you don't have to. Like, you're living up to a different expectation. And I feel like it's really hard when you're a designer in this industry because that expectation gets set when you're really young. I feel like it is a lot on your mind and body to be working those long hours. And it is definitely harder the older you get. And I think we're at a point where it's still so exciting and new and fun and so rewarding. And I don't think the rewarding part will ever change. But I think the industry just has to be very aware that Burnout is real and just making sure you're catering to people's well-being and making sure deadlines are realistic and you're not just putting billable hours in to appease to the client and the budget. I think you need to take care of your people first, but also as designers, I think it's also your duty if you are burning the candle from both ends. You have to speak up or it won't change because people just think you can do it, which you want to be able to do. (laughs) Now, I'm going to pause the quotes here for a minute. Because we have enough tape, so we used to call it, to go for the next 15 minutes straight about this generation's concern over work-life balance. As one recent hackathon participant put it, this generation seems to be preemptively burnt out. And some of us that have been in the industry for a while would argue that this level of work-life balance has been a piece of the way things have always worked in this industry. But in the wake of the Great Resignation, or as some call it, the Great Reevaluation, let's hear how the pandemic shifted what has always been a problem into an even louder problem. I think it's probably a little bit worse since the pandemic just because everything's so accessible. I do remember a lot of late nights pre-pandemic, but it was a little bit different, right? Because you're in the office, usually you order food. It's that studio vibe from college. That's fun and collaborative, but like now you're in your home, right? So you can make dinner, go back to your office and keep working. That line of my workday is done is so blurred now. And I think it's always been, but I definitely think post-pandemic, now that we can work remote, we have access to everything, it's even worse. And I want to challenge ourselves to listen with fresh ears. As we think about the future of the business of design, Does it have to be the way things have always been done for the future? We've edited these quotes down to what we believe may be some of the driving forces behind today's level of burnout, even for the most recent entrance to our industry. One thing that I love is client interactions. The thing that I hate about client interactions, though, is sometimes how unreserved. I think clients can be in terms of boundaries with you. And so that means in terms of time and respect of your time, every single client thinks that they are our only client and we're only designing for them. And especially with COVID that's translated into failing to comprehend time constraints, money constraints that have just happened within the industry. So we've had a lot of issues in terms of every single client is saying me, I'm the priority, which I understand and respect. But at the end of the day, we're firm. We have to be making money with other clients. So how do we meet in the middle? In order to get our firm established and get us to that next point, you have to say yes and you have to push your staff. And sometimes that translates into really negative experiences. For me, it's the constant creative drive. As a designer, to be able to come up with unique ideas 
all day, every day. It's tiring. It really takes a huge toll on not only you, but your whole life. Because you're constantly looking for inspiration in every aspect of your life. Whether it be your relationship, your everyday, going to the supermarket. There's this pressure of always trying to create something that hasn't been created. That is super frightening in a way. Because you're coming in every day to the office and you're like, Hey, what am I going to give that nobody else is giving? And I feel like in many industries, you don't have that because you have systems in place where you are able to achieve things that are easier than the design world, where in order to really like go for a goal and achieve that goal, you have to be like extraordinary. And so I feel like in design, that is the biggest challenge and the biggest thing that, that I would say is harder than other industries. The thing I hate, I think, is that it's so competitive to a point that it brings us all to burnout. And it's not even necessarily with other people. It's almost with yourself, right? Like, I feel like I get the most pressure from myself, really. You want to have a great idea. You want to come up with something really different and unique. And it's really hard to do that, especially on a really fast pace when you have like a deadline tomorrow and it's how quickly am I going to be super creative? (laughs) I am definitely thinking about it. It's not something you really necessarily just step away from, which could be exhausting. One thing I hate is competitiveness. Sometimes I feel like nothing's ever good enough. It's not even that I feel that way about my peers next to me or anything. It just always feels, oh, we need to win this project. You want to be the best. You want to get the most clients. It's one of those hustling type of industries, but also... It's because we're all doing something that we love. It's almost nerve-wracking because you know that everybody is creative and always has great ideas. But that's why I think it's more competitive myself. Could I have done that better? Did I check it over seven different times with different sets of eyes? So it's like at the same time that I hate it, I love it. Because I'm like, if I was in a different industry, I would be happy with my job. For clarity. This next quote represents one of the most quotable moments from the presentations at those 30 Under 30 events. A.J. Perrone, who you've heard a couple of times on this podcast, reminded them in one of the educational sessions, in a passion-filled industry, you are not your work. And that statement alone really resonated with many of them. I'd say the hardest part of the industry is it's so easy to get wrapped up in everything. I thought it was so interesting in the session how she spoke about how the work that you do isn't you. And it's so hard. And that's one of those boundaries things where so often in this industry, it's so hard to separate the fact that if somebody doesn't like what you're doing or you have to do 15 iterations of something, it's not because you're a bad designer. It's just because you haven't found the solution for them yet. And there's a lot of wear and tear feels personal. I love that she said that. You don't hear it enough. So it would seem that young talent in our industry is observing our natural passion problem. We're calling it the passion paradox. And augmented by hybrid work, this passion and boundaryless work is fueling burnout at a much faster rate. Even prior to how COVID changed the workplace, Gen Z was facing a time of major transition for jobs. They are the first generation to grow up knowing a fully digital world. Employers may not have been ready for that, but as we all know, COVID changed a lot and in some ways flipped the balance of power. Now, Generation Z is expecting jobs that are much more accommodating to their lives. ThinkLab industry-specific data shows that in general, 
individual workers still have about a 12% higher desire for hybrid work, while companies have about a 15% higher desire for more time in office. More statistics on these comparisons can be found in ThinkLab's annual U.S. Design Industry Benchmark Report. Ironically, today, the interiors industry is struggling with the very challenges we're also advising our clients on. In some ways, we're in our own awkward adolescence of reframing our own workflows from in-person connection, mentorship by observation, and analog ways of doing business into connected cultures with workflows optimized for human-to-human connection and digital connection. But while hybrid work can be a cause, listen to these quotes about how it can also be a solution. Just before pandemic, just being in a space that you're eight hours every week kind of way, kind of locks you down and pulls you behind that desk. Nowadays, it's just better in a way that for me, I'm Puerto Rican and I have to visit my family sometimes of the year. And so you don't want to use your PTOs, but at least with my firm, I can go back home, be there for a month, especially here in Chicago in February. It's so cold. So I'll go back home. I did it this year, been there for, for a month, spending time with my family and at the same time work and take some PTOs just to balance it out. I was able to do a deadline during that month. So if I was to make that, meet up the deadline, I'm like, I'm good to go. Expanding that workplace environment is good in that aspect, but also when it comes to be virtually a lot comes a little bit cold with that interaction and and that and that aspect that will be I guess the cons of what's nowadays working from home or remotely. It's also so much better for people to feel like they have the flexibility when they're stressed to take a walk or if they have a heavy work week, wow, I have time to throw in laundry during lunch. So I think from that aspect there was a lot of trust earned that they understood we could function before we only had two remote days a month. And that was if you could even get that. And I totally understand because they weren't accustomed to understanding that we could produce the work. But I just think work-life balance is more balanced and it's more of a thing. (laughs) But what we also heard from our confessional was that while they want flexibility, many of them also want face-to-face time. And this is best facilitated with structure. We have a lot of flexibility, but they're starting to implement more structure. And it's sort of by project team. So it's not like everyone has to be here Monday, Wednesday, Friday. There was definitely a transition period where we only had to come in as needed. And for some people, they were just never coming in. And some people were coming in a few days a week. And it's not fun to come into the office if no one else is there. I like to go in to be with the people I work with. Mm -hmm. So I think having a little bit of structure forces some people who might be a little more resistant to at least be there a few days a week, because that makes all the difference. You're your team present. But I definitely don't see myself going backwards from this level of flexibility that we have. I don't know what I would do without it now. It's hard to go back. Yeah, I would agree. I was told a loose Monday, Wednesday, and at first I was appalled because I was so used to working at home. And then I think I needed that push, and now I'm really grateful for the time in the office because it's such a great space that they catered to us. 
and it really has a different energy when you're with your teammates or if there are new people coming in. And it, we have such a great team that's all a little family. I feel like you get a lot more of the creative juices flowing and just the team rapport when everybody's together. Them respecting that people have lives outside of work and can function from home when things are going on. So aside from work-life balance and new explorations of what that means in the industry, let's dive into our final chapter for this episode. A serious look at where they see the biggest opportunity for improvement that will benefit all generations. Now, one of our favorite sayings is that it's hard to see the label on your own jar. To help you visualize that, imagine you're standing in a jar and trying to read the label on the outside. It's much easier for someone on the outside of the jar to read that label for you. The beauty of fresh eyes is that they can see some of the things that we've seen for years, but with new perspective. Let's hear some of the opportunities that they see for improvement in our beloved world of design. Here's what I ask them. From your perspective, is there anything maybe we do well, but you think we could do even better? And here are some of their answers. I do think we collaborate really well, but I think maybe more of a tie between like real estate and designers or architects and designers. Having a little bit more of a inequality of what we do on a day-to-day basis and being able to say, hey, we built this building together. You need everyone to be on the same page from day one. There's always room for improvement. I know a lot of underserved communities and a lot of low-income communities don't have the access. They don't even know interior designers exist, you know? Spaces just exist. They don't know that there's a job that can create these. I think really starting at the beginning and educating young people, educating high school students and letting them know that there are these career paths available is crucial. I was lucky enough to have a dad who's a real estate. I grew up in this industry, but like, had I not, I don't think I would have ever known this job existed. And I am a creative person. I have ADHD. I couldn't find a more perfect job for me. I can't do the same thing every day. I can't sit still to save my life. (laughs) So the fact that I have a job that I can do something different every day, get up and walk around, talk to new people, be inspired in different ways is, it's unbelievable. And I just know that there's so many other people out there like me who were really struggling. Like school was, I did well in school, but it was hard for me. Like I'm not a test taker. I'm never going to be that person, but this field is somewhere where I feel like I can drive without having to be the best at those skills. There's so many career paths and so many different opportunities that I think people just don't know about. So I think that would be a really great. This is just for me in hospitality in this world. The sustainability side is we're all so creative and we're trying to do things for innovation. And it's just, I think it's so wildly wasteful. (laughs) The sustainability side is a wake up in a big way. I think it's really just awareness. My school had this healthier building and materials program. It's really just informative and more educational on what discoveries are being made with this like closed loop recycling and being able to just create products that aren't going right into waste. And because the turnaround for so much of what we do now is such a short period, right? I'm replacing my tables, just even something super simple, pretty quickly to follow like a design trend or whatever it might be. A lot of companies are now being aware of the zero carbon and carbon neutral production of new ideas, but I think just educating ourselves and really being aware of what we're selecting because it's not going to last forever. Nothing's going to last forever. 
And I've been in this industry for six, seven years at this point. So it's not like this is something new, but I've been trying to figure out, obviously our primary is an architecture and interior design at a firm, but at the end of the day, what's next? It's not always going to be these massive office buildings. We know that there's so like only so much space that you can have, and there's only so much renovations that you can do. I'm thinking about what's next in terms of, let's say, this is terrible to say, but let's say it's 2030 and there's another recession. What do we do? How do we reallocate those resources? For me, just in, granted, I'm doing some preliminary research and reaching out to some strategists that I used to work with is that is appearing to me as what's next. And when you pair it with design, it can be incredible. When we have clients that typically opt out of using our strategy, Typically, I feel like we're missing something in terms of designs because we didn't get to do that baseline discovery session with them. And our designs still can be fantastic, but I think no matter what, there's always this underlying strategy layer that's sometimes missed that could make it so much more interesting. While some of these concepts may not be new to you, better partnering, DEI initiatives, and doubling down on strategy work adjacent to design. We hope that hearing about them from this fresh perspective helped you have what Adam Grant calls a vuja day moment. That's the opposite of deja vu, meaning you see the same thing you've seen a hundred times like you're seeing it for the first time. So for more vuja day moments, we hope that you'll tune in next week as we explore what our newest generations are looking for from their product partners. Design Nerds Anonymous is a proud member of the Surround Podcast Network. Discover more shows from Surround at surroundpodcast.com. And speaking of other Surround shows, I want to personally invite you to check out another great podcast from ThinkLab called The Learning Objective. It's the industry's first ever CEU podcast. So if you loved the topic in this episode, I'll invite you to check out the episode titled New Rules for Communication and Collaboration. You'll find a link in the show notes. And for any designers listening, you can get credit just for listening in. This episode of Design Nerds Anonymous was produced and edited by Sandow Design Group. Special thanks to the podcast production team, Hannah Vitti, Wise Grisette, and Samantha Sager.